And we're live. Welcome back to another episode of the Wheelie Podcast, everyone. My name is Micah Toll, and I'm joined, as usual, by Electrex founder and publisher, Seth Weintraub. How's it going, Seth? I'm good. Awesome. And we have a very e-bike-heavy episode this week. Lots of uh, e-bike stories, everything from Burning Man potentially uh, banning electric bikes to a new Walmart e-bike that comes with backwards handlebars. Uh, New York City is cracking down on unsafe e-bikes at the border. We've got um, some other stories that involve van move, or rather anti-van move style e-bikes that might be an answer to that uh, van move bankruptcy. California is also considering creating a driver's license for e-bikes. And we're going to talk about an awesome little non-e-bike sailboat that you can tow with an e-bike. So where are we starting off, Seth? Why Burning Man may start banning electric bikes. Yeah, so Burning Man, if you're not familiar, it's kind of like a um, every year uh, they create this huge festival. It's like a sort of bohemian paradise in the Nevada desert. And they create this massive sort of temporary city just out of, you know, where there used to be sand and dust. And bicycles are the main way to get around. But in the last few years, as e-bikes have become more popular there's been a a big problem with people riding too fast. So there's a five-mile-an-hour hard speed limit at Burning Man. Uh, There are no vehicles outside of, like, staff vehicles. So everyone gets around by bikes, and you're not allowed to go faster than five miles an hour. But, of course, when you have an e-bike, it's very easy to go 20 or 28 miles an hour. And, unfortunately, lots of people have been doing that. And it's a real problem. There have been a lot of injuries, people getting hit by bikes that just aren't looking for it. As you can imagine, with this type of massive sort of artist festival gathering, there are a lot of uh, mind-altering substances being used on a regular basis. And so when you add in people at different states of euphoria and not paying attention and fast-moving vehicles, it's kind of a recipe for disaster. So fortunately, there haven't been any, like, major injuries, but there have been a lot of, you know, collisions. And so... Burning Man has issued sort of this ultimatum this year that they're not going to start banning e-bikes right away, but if behavior doesn't improve at the coming Burning Man, they may have to do that. Either they'll start requiring you to register your e-bike when you come into the uh, encampment, or they'll just outlaw them altogether. And so it's, it's a big deal because Burning Man has always been this sort of like radical inclusion, like not no rules, but very much like just be good to each other and and we have almost no rules. So it would be a big deal to see Burning Man not only create this big um, sort of prohibition of, of e-bikes, but also to take a form of transportation that's very popular there, two-wheeled transportation, and severely limit it. But as usual, you know, it often comes down to this case of a few people ruining it for everyone. Uh, what do you think, Seth? Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. Uh, I mean, so let's take the numbers here. Five miles per hour zero hills uh i kind of feel like you can probably do without the e-bikes uh and burning man i mean i do see some sand there uh you probably want to have a little bit of a fat tire bike but um like this is one case where i kind of feel like you could probably you know forego the e-bike um if you want to go off into the desert maybe like you know outside of the city limits city with quotation marks limits (laughs) Um, you can certainly, it seems like a good use case for an e-bike because it's, the playa is basically just like a big, you know, dirt flat, uh, that goes for like hundreds of miles in every direction. So 
you know, that's a use case. I think e-bikes make sense if you want to just go out and you know tear around outside of the city limits. But, you know, for five miles per hour, there's really no reason. Like, that's barely, like, you can do that with your feet. You don't even need pedals, really. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, like, and the, this is the rare case where I'm like, okay, that, I guess, makes sense, so, sort of. I mean, if you have an e-bike and you don't have a regular bike, you know, I guess you you could bring that around and just leave the electric part off or something. I don't know. Yeah, and that's kind of a point that they were making when they uh, wrote this is that, you know, like, obviously, the Burning Man people, they're very inclusive and they're not going to, like, you know, try to put anyone down. But what they were kind of implying was, like, look, this is an area that's best enjoyed at a slow pace. And if you're going that fast, you're missing all of the beautiful things around you. Yeah. And, and as you mentioned, the, uh, the altered state of consciousness, like, uh, you know, who are like, you know, if you're, you're enjoying that, you may not, uh, be looking both ways at an intersection or, or whatever. And, you know, like if you jump on an e-bike, you may not really realize how fast you're going or, or what's, what's happening at all around you. So I get all, all the things five miles per hour makes sense. I know it's a pretty big place, so it probably take quite a while to get from one side to the other, but I think this is one of those things where you probably should avoid that. Yeah. Common sense needs to prevail here. Yep. All right. That's, that's kind of the first time I've ever been. Yeah. E-bikes probably not the best tool for that job. <laughs> Speaking of not the best tool for the job, uh, we have Walmart with a super cheap 20 mile per hour electric moped, but the handlebars are on backwards. Yeah, this is kind of beautiful in its like terribleness. Um, so I, I found this thing while perusing Walmart's e-bikes, and they have a number of interesting, kind of nice e-bikes. But this one, for some reason, they've installed you're, the handlebars backwards. You're being, you're being too kind, really. <laughs> <laughs> they have a they have a bunch of bikes. Let's just say. There you go. Um, but this one is is special in its own way, and it, it's not like someone just spun the bars around. Like then they went they continued and installed the brakes and everything on it in a backwards configuration. And it's not just one picture either. Now I can't tell if this is a mistake or if the bike is intended to be this way, because they do have a couple pictures where the bars are on correctly, like uh, the one with the guy on it down below. And so I'm kind of thinking that they didn't intend for this to be backwards that like before one of the bikes went to the photo shoot, someone just, put it together wrong and then it got all of its product photos with the handlebars on backwards and it is important to say that it's not technically wrong i thought it was at first like i've never heard of someone installing the stem backwards so the bars are like you know kind of back in your lap but i looked it up and there are a few cases where you would do this apparently some people do this when they do a lot of stunts on the bike um or sometimes for people with very short arms They'll have the bars installed this way with a backward stem because it brings the bars back closer to your body, but it does result in twitchier steering. So if you're the kind of person that's always ridden a quote unquote normal bike with normal handlebars and you got on this, all of a sudden the steering would feel very funny to you until you got used to it. So I'm thinking it's probably just a mistake and not that Walmart wanted to do a backwards handlebar bike, but otherwise, I mean, the bike looks kind of interesting, you know, mag wheels um moped style 780 bucks now it is listed in one place as 250 watts and another place is 750 watts so that sounds in, right yeah in usual walmart fashion they don't seem to understand their product very well but uh it's also full suspension probably cheap suspension but 
you know, otherwise it could have been kind of an interesting low cost bike, but the, the fact that they don't even know how to like install it correctly for the photo shoot makes me a little bit worried about it. Yeah. I noticed the uh, cabling in the uh, picture with the actual human on it uh, looks correct. Uh, it's in the front. Whereas uh, the, um, the big picture the cabling is actually behind the fork uh yeah <laughs> uh, we have issues houston there's a problem yeah yeah absolutely i've never seen something like this before and normally they put so much time and effort into these photo shoots like i've seen they even like you know adjust the position of the pedals and everything like that to like get the best angle so i'm amazed this this went forward it's funny because like it, it's almost like an mc escher like <laughs> like how uh like you could almost turn the bike handlebars around you'd have to remove the light though obviously and uh no i guess you couldn't do that like it's it's on there yeah that, that's the thing like if it arrived this way it'd be a good amount of work to fix because you've got to take the brakes off you got to take the shifter off right everything on the bars has to come off and switch sides also yeah, I mean, this is actually a lot of like somebody was putting this all together who clearly had, like, I mean, probably had never put a bike together before. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's kind of a crazy thing that they just made it to uh, the website. It's, yeah. it's impressive in its own way. Or maybe they intended for it to be this way. They were like, this is a short armed person's electric moped. Well, you know, like it got publicity, like we're talking about it. You got a, it got a webpage devoted to it. So maybe they're the geniuses. Some marketing guy at Walmart is like, see, I told you guys it would work. This is, this has been my plan the whole time. All right, moving on. Uh, Why New York City wants electric bikes stopped at the customs border, the U.S. border, not uh, the state border because there is no border. Um, well, I mean, it depends how you, how you look at it because, Mm -hmm. so New York city recently, um, passed a ban on non UL conforming electric bikes. So that means both a, uh, UL listing for the entire bike and for the battery, which among other things, uh, tests to make sure that they are not a fire hazard. And so it hasn't come into, um, Uh, practice yet Uh, there was a six month sort of grace period from when it was passed a few months ago but soon you will not be able to sell non-ul certified e-bikes in new york city so like you can't even bring them in to shops um, at the fairly porous new york city border Um, and so this has been a really big issue i mean it, it applies everywhere but in new york city electric bike fires have been um sort of even even bigger stories because not only are there so many more e-bikes in the city uh, estimates put it at like 60 to 70,000 e-bikes but because it's such a densely populated city there are so many people living in high-rise apartment buildings where often uh, low-cost cheaply made e-bikes are being charged overnight and in several unfortunate cases this has led to fatalities when very cheap e-bike batteries have caught fire in these large buildings and it sometimes traps people inside and so Um, that's what New York city is trying to prevent. It's already happened. I think 13 fatalities this year, which is a significant rise. It used to be, you know, three or four a year and we're halfway through the year and already at 13. Um, and that's just New York city. Uh, you know, these numbers are underreported everywhere, but I think what we saw were something like a hundred fires in New York city and 200, um, countrywide, which again, is surely 
underreported, but um, it's just, it's been a huge deal in New York City, partly because there are so many e-bikes used for delivery and courier jobs, which is, you know, very much a New York City phenomenon and that, uh, you know, the best way to get around is on two wheels. And so if you want your food delivered quickly, it's going to be on an e-bike. And because of the way those jobs work, you know, they're all independent contractors um, where the people that work these jobs basically have to buy the cheapest e-bike they can in order to, you know, make their, their low wages go further. And unfortunately, that means a lot of these cheaper, uh, poorly made batteries. It also means that, you know, when these batteries break down over time, they're taken to sort of um, no-name repair shops or unlicensed repair shops to get that bike back on the road so that someone who's making a very low wage doesn't have to go buy a new e-bike. So all of these factors compound into what can become a very dangerous situation. So New York City has implemented a few things. Um, in addition to this ban, they've also um, received $25 million in funding to create electric bike charging stations around the city, which are designed basically for these workers so that they can charge their batteries somewhere and not bring them you know, into their apartment and charge it in their living room kind of thing. Um, and so the city is just trying a lot of different things to help cut down on this this very serious issue, something that didn't used to be as prevalent, but now as e-bikes become so popular, we're seeing it a lot more. Uh, I mean, Seth, you lived in New York City for for a long time, right? Yeah, and uh, I still go down there quite a bit. Uh, we're in the suburbs north of the city now. Um, it's it's funny because the bike we're looking at on the uh, on the video um, is a typical example of uh, the delivery bikes, and, that, and like I I don't know the numbers, but um, I imagine that the these things are are probably one of the primary culprits just because um you know they're it's a very similar bike across all and you know they go really fast they're uh you know they're kind of cobbled together um the batteries are huge and they're you know they're no name brand uh stuff so like i i would want to dig down at the numbers deeper um we should also mention uh we had uh Luke um, Workman on a few weeks ago, um, who's a battery expert, uh, you know, former uh, CTO at Zero, and and kind of investigates these bike fires. And um, his kind of big takeaway for me was that uh, saline water vapor, uh, not drops, but the kind of vapor that can get through, uh, you know, tiny holes and and such, was like a primary reason. Uh, that these bike fires have, or, you know, lithium ion battery fires happen. And they're pretty hard to prevent. Um, you know, if you're looking to kind of prevent a bike fire, um, you know, making your battery almost a hundred percent, like, like it would almost have to be like putting a balloon around it or something, but then you have to like, you know, get the electricity out somehow. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a, you know, like, how do you prevent this thing even with good batteries? It's hard to imagine. Uh, there's no, like, 100% way to prevent that. What do you, what do you think about, like, um, I know you had, like, a, a battery box, like a big metal box that kind of could contain a battery fire. How do you feel about those? Yeah, absolutely. So um, there's some companies that even sell those. Like, Lunacycle um, has, it's kind of like an ammo tin. That mm-hmm. um, is is exactly you know what you described. It's a, a big metal box to put the battery in, where at least if it does catch on fire, it's contained in something metal that you could you know 
chuck out a window or will at least prevent it from spreading quickly to the couch kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I know some people actually charge their batteries in their oven or in their um, barbecue on their back porch kind of thing for the same reason, you know, it's a kind of a self-contained box that's designed to get hot. And I think that is a, a good method to use. Now, again, like it, I always feel it's important to point out that like when we talk about e-bike fires, you know, this is like a one in several tens of thousands, several hundreds of thousands kind of situation mm-hmm. because even the, you know, hundred fires in New York city this year, I mean, You've got 65,000 bikes being charged every day. So, you know, this is one in hundreds of thousands of charges. So it's not something that the average person needs to worry every time they plug their battery in. But taking preventative measures, like you said, some type of safe charging box could be a, you know, a good idea, especially if you know, like, hey, I bought this bike for like $600 and this is probably not the highest quality battery. That's the other thing. I kind of feel like, so, you know, just, just anecdotally, uh, we have bikes in my garage two floors down right now. Um, I don't feel worried about it, but those are all like name brand bikes. I mean, they're like, you know, we have a couple of juice down there. Um, this was pre their UL listing, but, um, you know, I kind of feel safe with those particular batteries. Um, we have a, uh, I'm trying to think of the other ones down there. Um, we have a Luna, actually we have two Luna bikes down there. Um, you know, we know Luna, uh, spends a lot of time with their batteries. Luke actually even uh, called them out specifically uh, with their, their battery cases being uh, a pretty, pretty solid in the, in the cells. So I, but you know, we reviewed the 65 mile per hour scooter the other day, and I'm not saying that battery is bad or good or whatever, but that thing's out in the, uh, the shed <laughs> in the backyard. Uh, so that that's not going to catch our house on fire. Um, so, you know, we do have a dividing line. Um, you know, we have some like, quite old like Saunders bikes also in the shed um, that we probably wouldn't would, um, you know, I don't think they're going to catch on fire. But, you know, frankly, uh, I have like this in my head, like what is safe and what isn't safe. So and, you know, our garage is probably pretty big. Uh, like there could be a fire and I don't think it would catch the next thing on fire um we don't put our cars in there so i don't know i i i I have in my brain like all right when when i look at my bike if this thing caught on fire would it you know skip over to some other battery or would it catch something else on fire would it catch like the roof on fire and i kind of feel like we're safe but you know who knows and you know we have three electric vehicles as well so and one of them's a chevy bolt but you know after the uh the big fire issue was fixed so I, I, I don't stay up at night worrying about that stuff yeah and there's um i don't want to you know jump into the comments too quickly but there is one that popped up that's something i did want to talk about and luke mentioned actually that one of the only methods he's seen that um is he didn't say it's a hundred percent foolproof but what he said is that he's never had to do a um you know a forensic case on a battery like this is the style that they are actually potted in resin so you know, like the battery is built and then they pour liquid resin into the battery case. So the entire thing is just surrounded in it. And it's basically, um, it isolates every cell from each other. And so even if a cell were to short circuit overheat, it's separated by a layer of resin and it can't spread to other cells. And there aren't very many companies that do this. Uh, LunaCycle does do it. I don't think it's all of their batteries. I think it's special batteries you can order from them. Um, there was a Canadian company um, 
grin technology that made battery packs like this for a while. I don't think they make those anymore, but that seems to be the best method to prevent this thermal runaway, but it is very rarely done in the industry. Now, uh, you know, obviously you buy a bike, uh, you own the battery. Would you ever recommend or try like pouring your own resin over the battery case or, you know, open up the battery, look at the, you know, have, have it at the cell level. Would you ever recommend pouring your own resin in between the batteries? So I think for legal reasons, we should start by saying we don't recommend doing anything to your battery and you should never remove a screw from your case. Right. As a like DIY hobbyist, if you have the correct resin, it is something that would actually be fairly easy to do yourself. Um, I think that the pack design requires that there's at least a, a bit of space between cells to do it, or at least to make it effective. And a lot of batteries have the cells so close together, you know, less than a millimeter or even touching that it can be difficult. But I, I think, you know, just theoretically, it, it shouldn't be that difficult to do something like this yourself. Hmm. And and then uh, we know that uh, Luna and Grin are two of the makers that do these. I wonder if there's like, you know, this kind of goes back to modularity, like that we we really, uh, one of those things that we really wanted to get on um, a while ago is like, hey, make make your batteries so that you can swap, you know, get a new battery or swap out a battery. And that we were kind of hoping the industry would go to that. And it hasn't really happened, which is a shame. Yeah, um, but that's, that's an interesting point though, that if you do this resin potting, it would basically prevent you from ever like swapping out a battery cell or even recycling the cells, I think, because right. I don't, I don't know how you'd get them back out. Well, I, I think the, uh, you know, the, the battery recycling, uh, for cars like the um, redwood materials, they just grind up everything and just turn everything to dust, and then they centrifuge the dust out. So theoretically, oh, go back to the elements. Okay. Yeah, basically. <laughs> uh, so I guess that in that case, it would be okay. I don't know because you know they're taking apart, you know, like Tesla battery packs and right. stuff like that. So they they've got to be pretty. Yeah. I hope hard. they have good respirators in those buildings. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure it's all locked off to humans where where that stuff is happening. All right, uh, let's move on from that here. Um, after shocking bankruptcy, anti-van move e-bikes like these may be the answer. Yeah, so this is um, this was an interesting article that was written by uh, Tuli. Vestigiv. I apologize, Tuli. I have no idea how to pronounce your last name. You but um, she's the uh, CMO at Ampler. And I was actually hosting a panel about a month and a half ago that had um, executives from some of the biggest European e-bike companies. And it had Taco Carly from Van Move there at the end. And right next to him is Tuli. And I asked Taco a question about e-bike iterations and whether he thinks that the industry should be at the situation where we're creating new e-bikes every year, sort of like an iPhone model, or whether we should sort of find something that works and stick with that for as long as possible. And what he said was basically, he thinks that the industry is accelerating so quickly that every year we need to come out with a new model. We need to, you know, find the newest technology. And Tuli jumped in right after him and was like, wait, before you go on, Micah, I got to say something here. She was like, I think this is the wrong idea entirely. I don't think we need to be making, you know, new models every year, like an iPhone. I don't even think iPhone needs to be making a new iPhone every year. It's wasteful. What we need is we need bikes that are simple, that any bike shop can work on, that has technology that 
helps the bike, but does not make it so proprietary that you can't work on it yourself. And a few weeks later, the guy sitting right next to her, his company went bankrupt. And here she is telling the world how, like, I didn't want to say I told you so, but I literally told you so on stage a few weeks ago. And um, so it, it was kind of a fascinating little foreshadowing. And uh, if anyone wants to go back and, and see that panel, um, I played a very small role. I only had to ask the questions. It was the smart people answering the questions here. But did you come up with the questions or did they kind of, because I've been a panel moderator and they're like, ask these questions. Uh, I, I got to come up with them. Um, oh, good. Which is funny because like, uh, yeah, you know, I gave them all the questions ahead of time um, and Tuli was like ready to jump in and like take her own questions. So good, good for her. That uh, expression right there, I, I kind of feel like he's like, hmm, like the finances aren't that great right now. <laughs> I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if uh, I should be here. I don't know. Kind of an interesting situation. Uh, yeah. So that one was. Uh, I mean, was it, this? It, this was um, mid June. Okay. And we should probably like back out a little bit. Um, Van Move obviously is a uh, a Dutch company that uh, produced very bespoke bikes. Um, uh, they've been you know lauded and criticized for you know building their own like transmission and uh, software for kind of for me it was like uh when i reviewed the bike i was like hey there's all this cool stuff that i've never seen before but you know the the transmission instead of having a, a manual gear shift um got harder to pedal as i was going up a hill and i was like you know and they were like don't worry there's a software update coming that'll fix that and i was like yeah <laughs> I, I i just want like some gears that i can put on my bike and um but a lot of their stuff was cool problem is is now that they don't seem to be existing anymore uh what do you do about the software updates what do you do about unlocking it because everything kind of go through their kind of servers um so now uh i think there's a, a bunch of third parties that are kind of jumping in one of their competitors cow cow or mustache no cowboy cowboy uh created a tool and I, I know um upway uh was also talking about uh, kind of swapping out their uh, stuff. Upway is a, um, a company that uh, refurbishes uh, used and, and kind of overstock bikes. Um, so they're, I think for like a hundred bucks, they'll like swap out some uh, van move stuff and, and fix your van move bike. So it won't um, have to go through the servers. <clears throat> so it, it presents kind of an issue. Like, I mean, it's not just bikes, like phones, uh, cars like all these things that you know need to call home and need to get updates remotely are kind of at at the beck and call of uh like the company actually paying their bills um you know i experienced this previously with uh, a boosted board like mike i don't remember if you still have one as well but like you know boosted went out of business and their their app was just it just disappeared from the the app store so like if you want to change this settings on your skateboard you can't really do much there Wow. Yeah. No, I never actually had one for more than like a, a week or so. So that, that's interesting to have like such a like high end board that is now just stuck in whatever it was set up. Yeah. And, and you know, you can still get the app uh, on Android via APK. And, and I believe the company that bought bought it, like reinstated it or something. I, I haven't looked in a while. But um, it's just like one of those things, like if you buy a device that is connected to 
it needs to connect to a home server or an app or whatever you're you're now you have to think about that is this company going to be solid you kind of have to think about that that has to be part of the equation when you're thinking about all right well should i buy this bike you know what are the financials of the company is it going to be around in three or five years right so by the way that's uh that was a cool panel i should we should have like put that on electric it seems like a a pretty cool situation um that was micro mobility yeah that was micro mobility europe yeah and that, w- that was like what two months ago um like a month and a half ago okay uh, yeah it was a pretty big hitter like that guy next to me is the uh, ceo of cowboy there so it was like a okay. lot of uh you know big hitters in the e-bike in the european e-bike market dude make a post yeah all right we'll, we'll be back with that <laughs> okay cool all right uh let's move on california uh, wants to create a driver's license for electric bikes. I have lots of opinions. Yeah, um, I think a lot of people have lots of opinions. So um, the before you get like you know the pitchforks sharpened here, um, the idea behind this isn't that every e-bike rider will need a driver's license, but rather that unlicensed e-bike riders, so someone who doesn't have a driver's license for a car, they've never you know learned to drive a car, would require under this new bill to get a e-bike driver's license. And it should be pointed out, this is still a bill that's in committee. It's not, you know, law yet. But the idea is that you have a lot of, you know, teenagers getting e-bikes that have never learned to drive. You have a lot of young adults even that just, you know, now I think uh, driver's licenses are at an all-time low in terms of a lot of young adults just simply are not getting a license and not learning to drive because they can take a bus, they can take Uber, they can ride a bike. And so, you have a lot of people getting these 20, 28 mile per hour e-bikes. They're sharing the road with cars, but they've never been taught traffic laws. You know, some of the stuff is is fairly basic. You stop at a red light, you stop at a stop sign, but more complicated things, right of way, following distance, how roundabouts work, you know, yielding, all this kind of stuff. Like you kind of got to be taught. It's not, you know, common sense for someone who's never learned the rules of the road. And so the idea behind this is that if you don't have a driver's license, you would have to take a short e-bike driver's license uh, exam, I guess. Uh, So it'll be a written exam. And before that, I think there's several classes that sort of teach you the basic rules of the road and what could be important for someone on a, on a bike or an e-bike. And the, I can see how this would be very controversial. You know, a lot of people think of e-bikes as this sort of like freedom vehicle that they're not highly regulated. You know, you're not going every a year to pay your your license and tag and and registration that kind of thing but at the same time because they've gotten so popular and we have a lot of teenagers and, and people that don't know how to drive on them i see the value here in fact in israel where i live uh, we already have something like this it was instituted several years ago for the exact same reason that e-bikes became super popular with teenagers and so it, uh, it limited the age to a fairly high age in my opinion at uh, 16 years old so you're not allowed to ride an e-bike on the street under 16 and it also created this e-bike uh, sort of driver's ed and license situation for kids that don't have their license yet because in israel a lot of people don't get their license until they're 17 or 18 you know it's a little bit later than the u.s so mm-hmm. to me this makes sense um i know a lot of people are going to be you know not as into the idea of needing to get a driver's license for an e-bike if they don't have a license but uh, i am curious what you think about it so yeah, I mean, I you you kind of mentioned both sides there. Like, I kind of think of e-bike or bikes in general, and and is it only for electric bikes? Would it be for regular bikes as well? 
I think it's for electric bikes. Okay. Yeah, which you know, partly seems problematic that it's like you know discriminatory, but they do go faster. So. Right, they do go faster, and they're they're uh, they're more common on roads, I guess. Like yeah, traffic. Yeah, I mean, I see both sides of this. Like bikes are meant to be, you know, freedom things. I guess like if they're going to be on roads, sharing roads with traffic, you should get a get some sort of, um, you know safety test uh did it say anything about age like what's the youngest somebody could have an e-bike yeah i think it limited it to um 12 i think which is fairly low i mean yeah. you know that's that's it doesn't bother me too much yeah i don't think necessarily below 12 you should be on an e-bike you know you could be if if uh <laughs> if your parents are up for it and uh, you happen to show skills in two-wheeled handling right um yeah, it just, you know, it's like one of those things where, it's, you know, like you kind of think of, hey, this is the freedom. I don't want to have to think about any of the government stuff, any licensing. Like, I just want to hop on and go. But at the same time, like we're in a society, we're trying to be in a society here. Like, and of course, as we said before, some people always ruin it for everybody else. Uh, so I don't know. I, I see both sides of this. Um, I hope they're able to kind of thread the needle and make it so easy that it's not a that it doesn't prevent people from e-bike riding that's kind of it right you know you you don't want to slow down the adoption of e-bikes or people taking e-bikes um you know versus cars like well you know there's this 14 year old kid who you, you know wanted to ride his bike to class or you know whatever and because the license issue came up his mom has to take them in a car or something that that's the case you want to kind of avoid maybe it can be like kind of a webinar followed by an online test kind of thing so it's very accessible yeah i mean it would have to be pretty accessible and hopefully the fees are almost non-existent or minimal um yeah i mean it you know we we will definitely keep an eye on this and maybe we'll uh we'll take the test uh and see if we can pass it um once once it's available um, I, I do feel, wow, we got 273 comments. That's pretty big on, on a. Oh yeah. There were a lot of, a, a lot of opinions. It's funny because one of my favorites was someone who sort of like quoted my thing saying that, you know, we can't expect someone who's never driven or, you know, learn the rules of the road to uh, understand some of these nuances. And someone was like, well, you know, parents can teach their kids about, you know, following road signs and stuff. It's like, man, how many adults don't know the rules of the road? Yeah, I know. <laughs> It's not something right, I want to entrust. Let's maybe dive in here. In the Netherlands, we had cycling tests in the sixth grade. We did not need a license because all the kids in the country learn their road rules and do the cycling test. There are many things taught in school today in the U.S. that I would consider lower priority that could be replaced with a cycling test. I, I agree. Like, yeah, they, they actually get like a little diploma in school for like cycling. We should get that. We should like that should be part of the federal thing. I mean. Where where would cycling not be part of like childhood? So yeah, for sure. Uh, safe, protected bike lanes and trails need to be more common in every city. Okay, that's we're fully on board with that. Separate bicycles, e-scooters, walkers, and runners from traffic and vehicles. Children should be able to ride a bicycle to school safely and not need a license to do it. That's the problem. Like we just don't have that infrastructure. Yeah. Uh, doesn't exist. Uh, so what would ha- my options be if I wanted to ride an e-bike in California as a tourist from abroad? So that's a good question. 
uh, if I understand correctly, a valid U.S. car driver's license would automatically function as an e-bike license as well. Would that apply to my European car driver's license as well? I wonder if those little uh, sixth grade Dutch uh, diplomas would work for... <laughs> I think I have a photocopy here, officer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? You got your little diploma. Uh, let's hypothetically assume I didn't have a car le- driver's license, not uncommon where I live, regardless of income due to good public transport and bike infra. Would I, I then need a U.S. resident status to apply for that e-bike license? Yeah, I mean, we're getting into all kinds of questions. And obviously, California is a huge tourist spot with, when tourists come in with their bikes and they love bikes and they want to ride around California, which is an amazing thing to do, whether it's over the Golden Gate Bridge to Sausalito, you know. Tons of great bike rides, California, I can imagine. All right. Uh, while I'm not inherently against this, it's lower on my list of priorities than making drivers retest every X years, having transplants take the test, having drivers, vehicles. So, yeah, there's a lot of a lot of good opinions here. I do think it would be good to have schools teach bike riding as part of PE. As part of PE, that's great. I like that, yeah. All right, maybe we maybe we need to get on this. We need to have like a government wing of Electrek where we kind of we do our our Electrek pack. And, uh, <laughs> uh, we get on that. All right, one last story uh, today. Check out this awesome little sailboat you can tow with a bicycle. Yeah, this is a fun one. It's called the Easy Boat, spelled I Z I boat, and it's. Basically, kind of like a, like a Hobie cat, if you're familiar with like those little Hobie sailboats. Um, it seats up to four people. It's uh, got this like center joystick, so you don't really need to, you know, do like the normal like breeze the sheet. And you know, I don't really know that much about sailing, but you know, the normal like rope pulling and stuff. They, mm-hmm. they make it very easy to control. But the coolest part about this to me is that you can tow it with an e-bike, and because it just like it collapses down to something that's like two and a half feet wide. It's got built-in wheels, either for pulling it along the sand to launch it right on the beach or towing with an e-bike. And it's even an electric sailboat in the sense that uh, there's an option for it to have a small electric motor, which is very useful when you're like in a marina and you're trying to like navigate around lots of moored boats. Or if you're out and the winds die down and you, know, you don't want to pull out your emergency paddle to go a mile back to shore kind of thing. But something yeah. that's you know this accessible, I mean, this is something you could literally keep in your garage not own a car and if you live you know a mile or two from the beach you just tow it with your e-bike you could probably do it with a regular bike but it's it's like 160 pounds or something and so if you've got a hill on the way to the beach that might be a a tricky situation but they market it as like saying e-bike towable and that looks totally doable to me yeah is that actually a bike in the back of that thing or is that something else uh i'm not sure i I don't see a bike. It's like that um, Bigfoot grainy picture where everyone's yeah. trying to make it out. Let me see if I can... <laughs> enhance, enhance. Enhance. Looks weird. Uh, it's not not a bike probably, but... Um, yeah, so uh, my in-laws have one of these in Florida. Um, not this exact boat, but like something this size. And we were actually uh, trying to like, get it hooked up to the uh, Rad Runner that they have down there. Um, cause you know, that would be kind of an easy thing to do. Um, so great idea. Like, I think this is, uh, you know, definitely cause it, you know, it's a lot easier to just take these out to the beach, like on a, on a fat tire bike than it is to like 
you know, get a car out there or obviously like by hand, like pulling these through the sand is, is quite rough. So yeah. And um, parking also, like you save so much looking for parking, you can literally park right on the sand, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of just like a totally, it, it makes sense. It's totally like use case is, is right there. Um, I, I'm also interested in this electric motor. Did, did you have any information on that? Yeah, so the, the information there was really uh, scant. It was hard to even find a picture of it. Uh, I think it's, it's like a fairly basic trolling motor like you'd have on like, you know, a very small like John a, boat. Like a Minn Kota kind of thing? Exactly, yeah. Okay. Well, that makes sense. I mean, you're not you're not pushing around a lot of weight and you kind of want to just... Yeah, and, and those are, they're really only used like, you know, in a marina or like an emergency return kind of thing, you know, like a sailboat. It's especially bigger ones. It's good to have some sort of motor for backup, but obviously it's not the primary form of propulsion when you've got a massive sail. Okay. Uh, so let's move into the comments here. Uh, I just saw one that I'm a little bit worried about here. <laughs> Mike Marcello says, I always ride my e-bike on my way, way to my friend Carl's house so we can play leapfrog wearing nothing but swim goggles and tube socks. That's, that's uh, uh, yeah. That's pretty interesting. All right, uh, EB one one sorry one eight eight eight. We mentioned this earlier, but um, Luke mentioned the encapsulation to avoid vapor intrusion. Is there like they they don't make like e bike battery uh, socks or uh, like covers or anything that would prevent <clears throat> intrusion of saltwater vapor? Is there something like that? I've never heard of anything like that. And if anything, like, I think this, this might have been one thing that, that Luke mentioned was that when you try to make something 100% waterproof, if there's even like a tiny hole, even like the, the air in the wire, you know, you get something in and it's like the, the vapor can't get out again because you've made it so waterproof. Right. So I worry about, you know, even trying <sighs> something like that. Yeah. I mean, I guess the process for like making something airtight would be, um, you would like probably want to have like a super dry environment, like hair dryer, like the kind of the, 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 the battery to begin with. And then like, I mean, I don't know, just, I'm trying to like spitball here, just like get some sort of pack, you know, like airproof bag, like, you know, like we said before, like a balloon, like maybe even a, uh, what, what mylar balloon kind of yeah, and things. And I don't know if the, how you get the electric current in and out of that thing. I mean, there's like a little tray with like a disposable desiccant packet that every like week you swap out your desiccant. There's a good idea that all those, like you get the, the Nori sushi with the packet. Every time you get the pack, you just throw that into <laughs> your, uh, your battery pack. Yeah. It's a tough, it's a tough uh, thing. I don't, I don't know what we uh, can do. I don't know if I can click these links. Uh, Dan fish has some links that looks like they're too, um, evfiresafe.com so i don't know probably the uh like the luna style charging boxes yeah um and then one last thing is from eb88 again uh license means violations and ticketing so yeah that's a good point like uh you know if you don't have your driver's license and you're on your e-bike and the cop pulls you over you just be like you know like i'm just some guy like (laughs) i'm just some guy (laughs) because you know you're like to get a ticket, I think you need a, a license number to, you know, assign the ticket to. Right. So if you don't have a driver's license, they can't really give you a ticket. 
That's the crazy thing about the U.S. You can decide whether or not to tell a police officer your identity. Like, you don't have that right in Israel. Like, oh, really? if, you, if you get pulled over, like, you have to be able to show identification. Like, it's a security thing. You can't, like, a cop can't be like, who are you? And you're like, I'm not telling. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm a, what are, the, what are those people that don't have a state? You're oh, just like, um, indif- not independent, sovereign citizens. Yeah, I'm a sovereign citizen. You don't have a jurisdiction over exactly. me. Exactly. Yeah, that doesn't exist in many places in the world. Right. Exactly. Uh, so if you do, like, this will be another case of the man getting you. Yeah. All well, right. I mean, if you're violating, like, you know, there are reasons citations exist. But... Right, right. Yeah. All right. That's it for the comments. Awesome. Well, everybody, thank you for tuning in. Uh, we will see you guys uh, back in another two weeks for another episode of the Wheelie Podcast. See you then, everybody.